Hello, everyone. Welcome to a brand new edition of the Cybersecurity Matters podcast. I'm your host, Dominic Vogel, and joining me, as always, is my dapper colleague, Christian Redshaw. Christian, I am super, super excited for our guest today. And I, I'm, Same here. I'm excited every week, but I'm super, super excited. Extra uh, excited. Extra, more than normal. Extra excited because joining us today is uh, my friend, David Shipley. Uh, he's the CEO at Bostron Security, based all the way out in Atlantic Canada. Here we are all the way on the lazy West Coast here. Uh, <laughs> rainy West Coast. Rainy West Coast. <laughs> Snowy lately. David, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Thanks for the opportunity to be here. David, it, it's, it's funny. You and I first met each other, I believe it was in Calgary of all places, uh, but it was years ago. And I know you, you and I have kept up a friendship and I'm so grateful for you as a friend and uh, seeing the journey you've gone, gone on with, with Bostron, I was wondering if you could indulge our viewers and listeners. Tell us what led to the creation of Bostron Security. What, what's the origin story of this superhero? <laughs> so it, it started with a hack um, and it was Mother's Day 2012 when the University of New Brunswick where I was working very happily uh, as a digital marketer running the website, gets hacked by a hacktivist group called Team Digital. And I happen to be one of the folks that early that Sunday morning who gets the nasty email note from them and the link to Twitter and Pastebin. And I race inside and I take a look and it looks legit. And so I call my friends in the IT department. I, I let uh, Sean McDougall, uh, who I worked very closely with on the website project, know we raised the alarm. And then I used skills that I had from the Canadian Forces, from my journalism background, and because, as you'll probably figure out pretty quickly in the podcast, I'm a super nerd, to try and help. And I made that choice to roll up my sleeves. I didn't have to. I could have let the IT team deal with it. It could have been their headache, and I could have merrily gone about my, my Sunday but I wanted to help. And I was fascinated by what had happened to us. And I used the skills I could to help the CIO clearly and effectively communicate internally, develop an action plan. And afterwards, he asked me to become part of a new cybersecurity team for the University of New Brunswick. A fun fact about the breach that changed my life, it was uh, led by a US Navy sailor hacking the University of New Brunswick from a US Navy nuclear aircraft carrier, along with dozens of other groups as part of a hacktivist campaign. And it is to this day, the one and only time I've seen anyone from NCIS outside of the really cool CBS uh, television show. So, you know, that that's kind of my my claim to fame. Well, how does that tie to Boceron? Well, it's how I got started. When I first got started in cyber, I thought this was a tech story. And fortunately for me, UNB is home to one of Canada's greatest uh, cybersecurity success stories, Q1 Labs and QRadar, which IBM bought in 2011 for about $650 million. And as a result, UNB had this amazing uh, SIM infrastructure that uh, that I could learn to use and, uh, and, and become uh, a bit of a self-taught cybersecurity nerd. I, I went and got my um, ISACA uh, Certified Information Security Manager degree, but every single incident that I investigated, every single thing always came back to people, process, and culture, and technology. So it wasn't a tech story after all, it was a people story. And I mean, I'm fascinated by this idea of how do we educate and motivate people to know more and care more about security? We call that the sheepdog effect. When you go from the passive victim of cybercrime to the active defender, we got super excited about it. Unfortunately, somebody was already called sheepdog security, go figure. And uh, of course, you know, probably worked out better for me because saying I'm David Shipley from sheepdog security is really hard. <laughs> so we picked the noble Beauceron, which is a breed of sheepdog from Northern France, where by 
bilingual province. Little call out, little subtle uh, Easter egg to our roots here uh, in New Brunswick. And then we had no idea how many ways it would get interpreted uh, around the world. Everything from Beccaron to, well, I won't get into all the ways, but Beauceron. And it started with this idea of how do you educate faculty members about cybersecurity? Like these are highly educated people. They're not exactly jazzed by taking more computer-based training. Um, we knew from doing phishing simulations that our click rate could be as high as 30%. And we knew we had to get that lower, but we wanted to create an experience that would turn people from that passive victim to active defender. So we created this idea of the Fitbit for cybersecurity, this personal cyber risk score. You could see when you did good things, your score improved, it would nudge you. There was elements of competition and it was wildly successful. That's a, that's a hell of an origin story. <laughs> four, four thoughts rush into my mind. I don't know which one should come out of my mouth here. Uh, my first question was, how did the name Boceron come about, which you, you beat me to the punch there. Um, before we dive into the more specific questions, I just want to ask a high-level question. Uh, for corporate cultures to pay attention, why does awareness matter? Why, why bother doing it if you're not doing it? Or not doing it well. So I'll, I'll start with it, it's it's hidden in the very meaning of the word cyber. Most people never think about what the word actually means and where it comes from. It comes from a Greek word, kybernetes, means the helmsman or the steersman on a ship. And Norbert Weiner, who was the father of cybernetics, chose this Greek word deliberately to capture three critical elements he wanted to study. The first is a human being at the back of the ship. The second is the oar, the rudder, the technology in their hand. And the third is control. So the story is always about the interplay between people, technology, and control. Now, the story is happy for us when we are in control of technology. That is progress. That is how we benefit. That is how we evolve as a species. But the story of technology and control of humans is a poor one for us, whether that's the uh, Terminator science fiction uh, franchise with Skynet or the tragic reality of Boeing Max 8 or Tesla, quote unquote, full self-driving hint. I've done this once in uh, Minnesota. I will never do it again. I took my hands at the wheel, but a quarter inch, that thing took off like a bat out of hell, uh, the wrong. So, you know, people in control of technology, it matters. And, and our challenge in 2023 is not saying cybersecurity is a thing. We don't have an awareness problem anymore. We couldn't be any more aware. Listen, when 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 Empire Co., the, one of the largest grocery chains in Canada, is ransomware, cyber is an everyday person term. What we have is a motivational challenge. Why should I care about cyber? What are you expecting me to do? How are you talking to me in a language that's respectful of my role in the organization and what I can and can't do? And will you listen to me when I tell you and give you feedback about improving how you're trying to help me do my job? That's our challenge in 2023. And it's not one that we're doing well. So in doing a cybersecurity awareness program, uh, how do you measure a successful program? What's your, what's your main metric there in terms of an actual implementation or a change in, in human behavior? get them to be motivated? A couple of things. Um, people will become motivated when you give them information that will help them be 
successful in their jobs. And so the first thing we want to do is is understand we survey, we, we've got about 800,000 people have access to our technology now. It's crazy. And we've done this with tens of thousands of people. We've now surveyed them and we measure how much do you know about security? How much do you care? How much do you think your organization cares? And what consistently emerges is 90% of employees want to do the right thing. That's powerful. They don't, they don't need to entertain them. You don't need to lure them in. You don't need to, they want to do the right thing. But what they want to know more than anything else is what do I need to do to do my job successful? And that's not just throwing another vendor video about password management in front of them. It's not. If you're using SharePoint, it's showing them how to use SharePoint successfully. If you expect them to set up a password manager, show them how to do that. If you expect them to use MFA, show them how to do that and talk about in adult ways what the context is. We we developed a highly successful course for healthcare professionals that was uh, realistic. We read the start, we said, listen, we know you're busy. We know that you have to make decisions regularly, life and death, and you're overwhelmed with a lot of information. Here's what you need to know about cyber. Criminals know this is a way of exerting a lot of pain on uh, on your patients and getting money for it. So they're coming. And here's why you should take it seriously. Here's what you can do. That resonates way more than than some of the stuff that, that gets thrown at the wall um, regarding to education. Measuring how people do on the courses. Like it, it's crazy. A lot of people say, well, to pass their ISO, everyone has to get 100% on the cybersecurity courses. Stop doing that. Measure how they're actually attaining the knowledge. It's okay. If you want to set a goal of 80%, if they get 80%, fine. And then measure those that go beyond that are really getting the concepts and, and, and look at those survey results to decide what you want to tackle next. One of the biggest risks for organizations right now, 10% of employees are storing confidential work information in the cloud because that's the easiest way to get their job done. Mm-hmm. And they don't know that that's the wrong thing to do because mm-hmm. you haven't taken the time to actually explain to them that, listen, if you're out sick because, you know, we're in a pandemic and you might actually get sick and be out for a bit, no one else can continue your work. Or you might be violating our contracts or government regulations. So we're not being human to human beings. We just, and I get it. Being a security awareness professional these days is a lot like being a single parent trying to keep four kids like going and you just, you're grabbing the fish sticks and the fries. I'm going to use an Atlantic Canadian reference. You threw it in the oven and my God, they're fed. Like we, we got this, like, but, but we can do better. Right. Um, and then, and then fishing is really important. There's a big debate in this industry about whether fishing simulation should be done. Yes, they should be done. There are boundaries. You can't do everything a criminal can do. Like, sorry, if it's sex themed or romance themed, let's like throw in dynamite in a fishing pond. All you're going to get is a bloody mess and a lot of headaches from HR. So yes, you can't replicate every single thing, but you can create powerful, compelling examples to people that will that will resonate for them and help them understand the minefield that is the modern corporate inbox. And they'll start to slow down. That's part of it is that they're like, we get tested regularly. The The idea that someone's trying to hack them probably isn't in the back of their mind. But when I was at UNB, everyone was like, I don't want to get caught by Dave Shipley. Okay, fine. Um, if that's what motivated you to slow down and pay more attention to emails, then I'm doing my job. Uh, and, it, and it's not the click rate. So much of us get so obsessed. And I was bad for this. When I first started, I wanted to prove how clever a social engineer I was. I got 30% of the population. Good for me. Um, the reality is the, the success metric in phishing is 
how many people spotted and reported the fish? Because then you've got knowledge. I know what bad looks like and you've got motivation. I care enough to report it. And bonus points, tell people when they catch a real fish. And, and that's one of the things I'm really pumped about what our company's done this year is we've launched our first technology where as an organization, you can actually look at the context of what's being reported and give people cues. This was using spoofing. No, this didn't come from the CEO. And we don't talk about bonuses in the public sector. Sorry, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, we can give people, give people lots of clues and context in a digest back. And you can do this at scale. And people feel good about reporting the real things as well as the simulations. Sorry, I get super fired up about this stuff. But there are there are absolutely ways of measuring this stuff that you can then iterate on and improve. So much in security awareness is an activity-based metric. We need outcome-based metrics. And, and, and so much potential lies in just looking what good, smart digital marketing does today and applying those same principles to awareness and motivation and outcome-based uh, programs. Based on real human nature. I'm, I'm glad I asked that question, David. <laughs> uh, very, very nicely put. And feel free to take it away again on any any other questions. This is, this is amazing. Um, in terms of industries or let's say corporate cultures, which ones do you find do the best uh, when it comes to awareness, do you have a do you have a cultural profile? There's there's currently I think a uh, a very healthy competition. We work with um, national telcos, national banks here in Canada, um, small and mid sized businesses in Canada and around the world, and you name it. Um, right now, and I can't I can't name the customer, but the one who's got kind of my championship for 2022 was one who did a persistent annual phishing campaign randomly monthly measure both report rate and click rate did a really good targeting training surveyed and they did an amazing two-day event where they brought in speakers and they had uh they had just a huge uptake uh thousands i think of folks participated in one-on-one asking questions going to sessions etc they did a full integrated marketing communications plan that one they they crushed it they had the olympics of awareness this year uh, other organizations and, and what happens is what I'm seeing at the enterprise side is uh, there's an incredible amount of poaching in our space. And we've seen this in security in general with the, the worker shortage. Lots of people are jumping ship all over the place. Awareness folks are even more uh, in demand because there's so few folks who have that marketing communications and tech space side. So I see programs get built up, then someone jumps over another organization, then they kind of get to get rebuilt again. Um, what's interesting is small and mid-sized organizations by measure of things like phishing click rates, uptake into training and others actually do better than large organizations. And, and here's why. They have lower turnover. Keeping more of your employees happy and at work and knowing each other and knowing how your business operates de-risks you from social engineering. <laughs> I'll just say that. David, between your energy and the terrific picture of the Death Star in the background there, this is by far the best conversation we've had today. The, <laughs> um, the question I, want, I wanted to ask you is, I guess, just broadly um, looking at the security awareness sector. Right? It's becoming increasingly crowded, and even for organizations that are trying to, you know, let's say they're saying, oh, we need an awareness platform. That journey of trying to identify which one is best is, again, quite difficult, and arguably it's, you know, certain aspects of it are becoming quite commoditized. So what guidance would you give to you know, someone or organization that's looking at evaluating 
the qualities of an awareness platform? Where should they start? What, sh what should they be looking for? Okay, um, great question. I'm going to start with what they should stop evaluating platforms on. This, who's got the biggest library of content is absolutely a ridiculous measurement. You're never going to use all of that content in any program whatsoever, ever. It's, you know, I get it. It's impressive. It's like walking into Walmart when you're used to going into a general store. Look at all of our options. Well, actually, you, you don't have the time for all that shenanigans. And also, you don't know what to pick. And so that's that's one is you need to find one that has a good, solid content fundamentals that you can use. But here's the most important part. Please, please create your own content. Even if it's just creating a short video of your leadership for two minutes as part of your annual campaign saying, this is why I'm asking you to take time off of your work and all the other things you're measured off to learn of these things. But do better than that. About a third of our customers actually create their own content that teaches people how to be secure in their context or gives real examples of what's actually happened within their organization. So it's real. Uh, so, so that's number one. Number two, work with someone that's actually going to help you elevate your program. Um, and, and, and that's not a platform. A platform is a third of a program. You need to have an advisor to help you figure out what is your business? What are your risks? Where are you at? And, you know, if you're really getting there, the third thing is finding a partner that's going to work with you to say, listen, what is your actual ROI? And what do I mean by that? Well, you can actually calculate. How much time are you taking from all the employees this year for awareness? What's your time budget? What is the direct cost of that time to the organization? What is the opportunity cost of the time? Oh, surprise, that turns out to be three or four or five or 10 times the cost of actually buying a platform. So how are you making every minute of the time you're taking matter? Please don't just evaluate platforms based on who's cheapest. I don't know a CISO I've ever wanted to have the bragging point of going back to the board saying I bought the cheapest thing I could buy. <laughs> um, and, and and let's be honest, 80% plus of all cyber incidents start with the human side, but less than 1% of the spend is on working the human side. So, you know, let's, let's do better at this. Um, and lastly, what I would say is this. Please, please focus on the report rate. Pick a platform that's got good mechanisms for people to report the phishing emails and the real ones as well. Because guess what? If you've got an, a cracker, jack, amazing simulation program where they get their notification when, when they report the simulation, they want to expect that when they report the real thing too. And if you're not following through on that, guess what? You're going to get demotivated. No one ever tells me if it was a real attack or not. That's really important. Pick a platform that can help you in the long run sustain the behaviors you're trying to actually shape. David, I've got to just say that how much I love and appreciate your blend of humor, wisdom, insights, and intelligence. Like this is, we've, Christian and I have been recording all day and this is a real uplifter. <laughs> uh, this has just been an absolutely amazing conversation. And um, uh, I know we're going to have you on the show again, like uh, if, you're, if you're open to that, obviously, but uh, we uh, absolutely loved every single minute of this. This was tremendous value. Um, and again, being able to, again, speak to the human level, uh, it's like a, you know, being a scary matters podcast, you know, the fact that we haven't gotten to this spot yet, uh, shame on us. So that's why we're glad that we brought the best of the best uh, on here. So thank you so much for coming in, representing Atlantic Canada and, and, and kicking butt, my friend. That was absolutely fantastic. 
Thanks for the opportunity. I really appreciate the great questions. And I, I love that you've created a forum for us to have these kinds of conversations because, you know, we're at an interesting time. Um, the U.S. has just thrown the gauntlet down with their national cybersecurity strategy in ways that I think is the most profound advancement of policy and possible laws and regulation and tackling this issue. Like we're, we're, we're in the crucible this year. We've never seen it this bad, but it has never been as much hope for what could come next if we can get through this time. But, but in order to get through this time, we got to think differently. We got to do differently. And, and ultimately when it comes to cyber, we got to be human to our humans. So that's, that's my, my pitch. Thanks for the chance to, to participate. Happy to talk anytime. And thank you again. It's the one and only David Shipley joining us from Atlanta, Canada. David, thank you again. And Chris and I will be right back to wrap up today's episode. What an awesome conversation with David. I mean, the, okay. the, to, to call the guy legendary, I think would be a gross understatement. Uh, and I just really appreciate again how he's bringing uh, realistic angles mm -hmm. to the commoditized awareness space. Mm -hmm. I think it was just absolutely wonderful to to hear his views and again bake it in real world practicality. But I'm keen to hear your your key takeaway from that. Yeah, I think my predominant thought is a bit of a criticism of you actually as uh, as the host <laughs> of the show. Why is it taking this long? If you've been friends with David this long, why is it taking this long to bring him on the show? He's hard to get a hold of. Is he? Hard, yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, congratulations for getting him on. You know, there were a hundred points that I got, but the, the what it seems to boil down to for me is motivation. There are things that are demotivating and motivating, and that's what you have to tap into in awareness is that human uh, psychology, the human makeup. You, you'll never be able to escape that. Uh, absolutely, right? And we're, we're just... Uh, like, like we said on the show, uh, just really appreciative of David coming on, bringing that unique blend of wisdom and humor and mm -hmm. insights that again, make it extremely impactful the way he was delivering his messages. So a um, special thank you to David Shipley from Bosron uh, for joining us on the podcast today. And as always, we want to extend that special thank you to our loyal listeners and viewers who join us each and every week. If you did happen to miss a previous episode, do check out the Cybersecurity Matters YouTube page and or check out old episodes on your preferred podcasting platform. Until next time, be well, be safe, and we'll see you again at some point in the future on the Cybersecurity Matters podcast.